I just got back from uh, a week at a hockey camp with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes with 120 junior high school age boys. And boys never grow up because as soon as the fathers got these, they're all playing with them and shining them in people's faces, like my face. So everybody light your flashlight and it'll be like a rock concert. You can wave it up here. And I was struck by the fact that uh, little boys remain little boys even when they're grown men. Anyway, uh, today's gospel is one of the great parables Jesus taught, as he so often did. He uses parables, stories, to make a point or to even conceal a point and hide it within the context of the story. And to really get this gospel for today, you need to look at the start of chapter 14. So I'd invite you to find one of the Bibles in the pew or open up an app if you want to do it electronically and go to the beginning of of, uh, chapter 14, which is at 873 in the pew Bible. And the context here is Jesus has been invited to a dinner, a banquet, at the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees, the religious establishment of the day. And you know from reading the Gospels, they kept inviting him to dinners, trying to find ways to expose him as a fake or challenge him, test him. And sure enough, uh, that's what happens here. Because if you look at the beginning of chapter 14, it says, one Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. They're just hoping to trip him up in some way. And sure enough, there's this poor man with dropsy, and Jesus heals him on the Sabbath, and they don't like that. Uh, and they say, it's not, it's not lawful to do work on the Sabbath. And he calls them out on that, saying, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out. And they couldn't answer. They had no answer. Then he goes on to try to keep teaching them and making the point. He talks about when you're invited to a feast or a banquet, uh, don't go for the place of honor, but invite the poor and the humble people who can't repay you. And in fact, uh, he says... uh, Let's see, Uh, give your place to another and maybe you'll be invited to move up higher. Verse 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who exalts himself will be abased. Uh, Then he says, uh, when you have a, a banquet, he says to the host, invite not your friends and brothers and those who can repay you, but invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. They still don't get the point. Jesus continues, uh, because now someone sitting at the table says in verse, uh, I think it's 18, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of heaven. Now that's actually an allusion back to Isaiah chapter 25, which we have in our bulletin this morning. If you look at the Old Testament reading uh, that we have, in the middle of that it says, and in this mountain 
shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast. And he will swallow up death in victory, wipe away the tears from their faces, take away from all of the earth, and the Lord hath spoken it. So, so this was a prophecy in Isaiah that at the end of time there would be a great feast on the holy mountain of God and all the people would be invited to join it. But as the years went by after Isaiah's prophecy was written, the rabbis and the Pharisees and the authorities interpreted this to mean that only the in crowd would enjoy this feast. Only the children of Abraham, the select, the, the special people. So this exclamation from this man sitting at table, we don't have the context fully explained, but it may well have been a sort of self-satisfied statement. We're all going to be so blessed when we're sitting at the table of the Lord in the great feast. Won't it be wonderful for us? the in-crowd, the special people. So Jesus tells another story to try to disabuse them of their pride. And he talks about a man giving a great banquet. And of course, that's a, a, a symbol or a type for God and the kingdom of heaven. And he invites people to come. Now, in those days, when you held a banquet or a big celebration, you'd send out invitations to people and they would respond like an RSVP today. And they would commit to come. And of course that was important to the host because you'd determine how much to buy, how much to prepare, uh, how big a room to set up and all those things to be ready for the feast. And then when you had everything prepared and laid out, they would send out another messenger to say, okay, everything's ready, time to come. They didn't have the internet or cell phones or any other way. They had to actually go tell people now it's time to come. So these people who had been invited and these people who had said they would come had responded. All alike began to make excuses. They all begged off, they all backed out. And he gives some examples of these excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Well, does that make any sense? Does anybody in an agrarian society like ancient Israel buy a field without ever seeing it or investigating its properties? And no, in fact, we know from the ancient histories, they would be very careful about any land purchase because this was their economic life. So this is a bogus, lame excuse. And another said, this one's even worse, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. So he's saying he's got five yoke of oxen, 10, maybe 20 oxen that he's bought without seeing them, without testing them to make sure they were capable of doing the work that he needed. That's like someone today saying, I bought five John Deere tractors and I have to go and see if they start. You know, it was pathetic. Please have me excused. Another lame excuse. Now the third one says, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. 
Well, you know, that might be a little bit more realistic excuse. No, just, <laughs> just kidding. We're just kidding. It's a joke. Because, of course, it's a ridiculous excuse. Did he just get married the day before? No. When he said he would come, he was married. There's no reason why he can't come, and he can bring his wife. The feast is big enough for everybody. But no, he makes this lame excuse. It's almost like Adam, who said to God, that woman you gave me made me eat the apple. Talk about pathetic blaming his wife for his decision to double-cross the host. Well, the servant comes and reports all of these excuses. And the master of the house became angry. Now, the word in the original language for angry here is furious, outraged. And what does he do? He says, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame, the very people spoken of in this prophecy and in the earlier parable that Jesus told. And you remember when Jesus went to the synagogue in Capernaum, he read from the prophet Isaiah that he was the fulfillment of the prophecy that said the lame would walk, the blind would see. This is the day of our salvation and redemption. So it's an allusion to the messianic purpose for which Jesus came. So the servant does this, and he comes back and says, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. There's more room. So the master says, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. And the word compel there could probably best be understood as encourage, exhort, persuade, convince people to come in, convince them that they too are invited. And this master says, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So none of those men who made the bogus excuses are going to be at this wonderful feast and dinner. And you know from scripture that metaphors of a feast, of a wedding feast, are frequent. And that's even what's said in the book of Revelation in chapter 19 about the ultimate feast in the kingdom of heaven with the Messiah. Entry into the kingdom of heaven is a gift of grace. Those who are invited and called and reject that gift are not going to have a place in that ultimate celebration. But God will fill his kingdom. God will fill his kingdom, even with those considered unworthy and outside. So this parable gives all of us, me and, and all of you, a chance to reflect. How are we with our commitment to God into our Lord Jesus Christ? Do we keep our commitment? Are we faithful? And uh, it's a chance to reflect on our own walk with Christ as we go forward. And the problem with these guests is a problem that we all have. They put second things first. They put their farming and their land first. They put their business first. They put their family relations first. And we know where our first allegiance is supposed to be, right? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then you'll get all these other things. What's the first commandment? 
I'm the Lord your God, shall have no other gods before me. God demands that he come first. So there's the lesson for us. Are we putting God first? Are we faithful to what we promise? We can ask ourselves that and learn from this story that Jesus told. And I pray that it will be a blessing to you and encourage us throughout this week and always. Amen.